0: It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com, coming to you on a Monday, April 6th. Still no games in sight for the LA Galaxy or for Major League Soccer, and that shouldn't surprise anybody. We have a packed show for you tonight. Going to talk a whole bunch about some of the things that could possibly be leading to an actual game being played by the LA Galaxy, by Major League Soccer, by other sports leagues around the country. Uh, But we also want to talk a little bit with a very special guest as well, uh, Mr. Kevin Hartman. So we're going to get to all of that in this show. And to help me do that, the Panda himself is back. Uh, Mr. Kevin Baxter, Kevin, how's it going, buddy?
2: I'm the other Kevin on this show.
1: I, I was going to say two Kevins. What do you know? We're we're doubling up on all the Kevins today.
2: Yeah, and you have to guess. Am I practicing safe coronavirus techniques here, or am I about to go rob a train?
1: Either one works right now. Um, it was funny because my uh, my wife says. Uh, that she was uh, going to the store and she had a scarf wrapped around her, her face and she was like, you know, normally people would be like, what are you trying to do? Rob this place? She goes, but it makes feel, everybody feel better whenever we're all, uh, all covered up. So it's, a, it's like this weird juxtaposition going on right now.
2: Well, I knew I was going to be here with you. I didn't want to infect you. You feel safe? I, I, well,
1: being we're more than six feet apart, yes. Uh, in fact, you're basically in another state by terms of distance. um So I think we're I think we're good to go. But uh, we do have some uh, some some LA Galaxy stuff to talk about. Certainly some league stuff or some sports stuff in general here, Kevin. And you well, know some well, things but, getting. Yeah.
2: Before you get too far, who was the f- most famous number nineteen in Galaxy history? I'm thinking Janino wore nineteen, right?
1: Uh, yes, I believe he did. Why?
2: Oh, just we could call it the COVID Janino. Just shorten. I don't.
1: I don't it's effortlessly funny once again Kevin that's what you are effortlessly <laughs> funny that's how it goes I've
2: heard that uh, I've heard
1: that yeah that's I'm sure you did um but no I mean we have to talk about you know a little bit about some of these things we we've been hearing um, you know, in different national news. And certainly I don't think the national news is ever going to be sort of focused on major league soccer. Uh, but we can start to take cues from some of the other sports and some of the, uh, discussions that they're having Kevin. And I think that's an important thing to sort of keep an eye on. Um, and we had one of the larger discussions between the NFL and, uh, the president of the United States. Um, whereas we were talking, they were sort of talking about when the NFL season would start and what the president thought of that. Um, and then there were some other responses. So, I mean, you know, where do we where do we kick this one off?
2: Well, first of all, the president said he'd like to see NFL stadiums full in August. He'd like to see the NFL season start on time. Now, this was a conference where he had a dozen commissioners uh, from uh, professional wrestling. Don Garber was there, baseball, NBA, and the uh, NWSL was not invited, nor was U.S. soccer, nor was the NCAA. But all the other major top five professional sports leagues were there. The president, who, remember, two weeks ago said he wanted to have churches fill on Easter. Now he wants to have NFL stadiums full by the end of August. And again, the commissioners were saying, you know, that we'll have to just wait and see. Uh, Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, said he didn't see it happening in his state, that he was going to listen to the healthcare professionals and didn't think that uh, they would be ready. Now, remember, the rule is gatherings of 10 or more people. And since Chivas USA is no longer in the league, that is pretty much every MLS game is going to have more than 10 people. So, uh, just one team is more than 10 people. So that pretty much wipes that out.
1: Yeah, yeah, it does. And, and I think that's the important part to, to sort of look at this as well. I I think that the president was sort of looking at the NFL and saying, Hey, we want you to start the season without people in the stands, but eventually as this moves forward, we want you to, you know, start, we, we want to have full stadiums and, you know, it just feels like we're so far away from that. Um, Whenever you look at all these things, uh, you know, we're still uh, under and, and uh, Kevin, you and I have been talking about the hotspots. We've been talking about the waves and how it's not the same for everywhere in the country. And so trying to make a national decree about all this stuff is, is nearly impossible when you don't understand sort of, um, you know, what each microclimate really and, and micro region is going through and, and and sort of what that happens. And, you know, a lot of the social distancing stuff that we've been looking at so far is effective in the fact that you're staying away from people and that's slowing the spread and what happens and they actually pointed to a, uh, a game in northern Italy of 40,000 people how it was like the great incubator. It was the great accelerator of this, uh, you know, pandemic it was it was able to spread. And so really, I mean, even looking at, you know, Dignity Health Sports Park and it's meager, you know, 25,000 plus people that you can fit in there. Um, that's that's more than 10. Uh, and that's more acceleration. And so, trying to get everybody back together into one of these small spaces, um, or at least uh, large spaces with a lot of people who are packed tightly together, um, is, you know, I just, it's tough to wrap my head around how that could even happen. Even, and as you rightly pointed out, even if you're looking at putting together you know, empty stadiums, how 11 players, 22 players plus coaching staff plus cameras plus everything else. I mean, you know, there's ways to sort of try to figure this out, but social distancing is gonna, it kind of goes out the window whenever you're talking about any major professional sport where people play against each other.
2: And speaking of the NFL, I can still do this quarterback thing like this. Look, I look like a quarterback, see, but, um, I mean, think about when you go to, uh, a major league soccer game, go to a galaxy game. You're sitting right next to somebody, you're probably shoulder to shoulder for the most part for two to two at least two hours. You go to the concession stand, those aren't you're not standing six feet apart in the concession stand. You go to the bathroom, galaxy scores a goal, everybody high fives, so you're bumping, you're touching, you're in close contact for two or two hours or more. You don't know if the person beside you is infected. They may not even know because the incubation period is up to two weeks. And then as you mentioned, I think last week I said there were nineteen teams in uh, our 19 states in uh, MLS, there's actually, I believe 17, but then there's also district of Columbia and three Canadian provinces. And as you mentioned, every one of those localities has their own rules right now. And so you can't have a team play a game uh, or go out and train if a team in another state doesn't have the uh, you know ability to go off and do that. One of the things they talked about, I don't know if this will happen, but just to give you an idea where we're, where we're at, baseball has discussed a plan of having all the teams move to Arizona so they're under mm-hmm. one, one set of rules, play the games in empty spring training stadiums just to get the game started. This all goes back to TV revenue. That's the biggest chunk of this. Maybe not in MLS because their TV contract is so bad, but for all the other leagues, they don't want any, to give back any of that TV money. And that's why you, you hear this, this cry to play these games in empty stadiums so they can be televised, which, you know, really, that'd be great for us. I'd like to go to a game in person, but if I can't go in person, next best thing is to watch it on TV.
1: Yeah, I think we've all sort of shifted in that regards where if you were talking about normally, Kevin, normally uh, you wouldn't want to see somebody, um, you know, play teams in empty stadiums. But we're not in a normal situation. So if we're going to be, quote unquote, you know, watching teams in, in empty stadiums right now, that would be much more welcome than, you know, seeing two ridiculous people try to simulate a game between the L.A. Galaxy and AC Milan on FIFA. Who would do that, Eric. And Eric Who and I would never attempt such a horrible thing. Uh, somebody rightfully, by the way, called us out on that one and said that was tough to watch. And I said, uh, <laughs> and this was Aaron. And I said, hey, Aaron, they're not all wins. And that means both on the field and in the booth. All right. Some people, we, let's just put it this way. Everybody needs to step up their game after that friendly that we just simulated. OK, so well, just, I, you can I, I've been watching
2: all kinds of stuff on my TV. We watched Evan Almighty the other night. And then we watched that, my oh, wife, the uh, uh, talented and esteemed Mrs. Panda, we watched the the English game, which is actually pretty good and made the point that the Scottish actually invented passing in soccer in the eighteen eighties and some of the galaxies still have not really gleaned onto the concept. But um that was kind of interesting. That was a good show. Yeah.
1: That, that was that was again. the only thing. Well, well, if we go back to trying to figure out, you know, what can we can we glean from, oh, yeah. you Forget know, Gavin that. Newsom and the governor? Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get serious again. Um, if you look at like what what did Gavin Newsom say, you know, and and what is the the president of the United States trying to say? Obviously, uh, the president, as we've seen, wants to see things return to normal. I think everybody wants to see things return to normal. It's Just the the fact that some of us are using science. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna look at this. But one of the interesting things that came out today. Um, And this was from Baxter Holmes uh, from ESPN. He tweeted out basically and said, sources tell ESPN that the NBA and the NBA Players Association have been collaborating in assessing rapid response testing devices that in theory could yield accurate results within minutes, a process that represents a critical first step towards potentially resuming play. You and I have been talking about this, Kevin, and you said, okay, so let's say we send everybody to North Dakota, South Dakota, one of those places, and you're gonna have all MLS teams there, so that way, again, just like baseball in Arizona, everybody's under one rule, um, so everybody has that, and then you're gonna quarantine everybody into these hotels, and you're gonna limit the access that they have, and you're gonna come in and out, and however you wanna do that, the only way that works Is if you have these rapid testing and and what this basically went on to show was that, you know, they were looking at diabetes type um, testing devices, those blood testing devices that can give accurate results within minutes. And if you have the ability that both those are accurate and they're fast, then you can do something where it's like, okay, all the players who are going to play in this game today. You have to be tested right now and you're all cleared. Okay, great. You guys can all go play against each other now because we know that in this closed environment right now that you've all been in, that in the last 15 minutes we've kept everybody isolated and segregated, you guys can go out and play. Um, and that's the idea behind this. And I think that's uh, this is also the idea behind anybody trying to return to work. Um, You know how, how we're all going to get like ID cards or something that said, oh, yeah, you've been cleared. You had it or, you know, you didn't have it or however this goes. But there's going to have to be some sort of identification process that goes on both for fans players, anybody in sort of this return back to quote unquote normal this is the first really important step that has to happen with this is this rapid testing, rapid and reliable testing. Um, so, so in my mind, this is what everybody should be focused on. You want to know when things are going to return. These are the the types of things we need to be focused on.
2: Well, first of all, you said that was a Baxter home story, right? Yeah, I know. Yes. Uh So two Baxters and two Kevins on this show. This is a special, this is a keeper. This is a keeper right here. But what you're talking about, I'm not so much worried about the players. The players are going to be fine. I'm worried about the fans and I don't know, can you test every fan going into an arena or to an MLS stadium? Those are the people that are shoulder to shoulder. Those are the people that, uh, you know, are in tight quarters for the entire duration of the game, two hours or whatever it is. Those are the people I'm worried about. And, you know, it, there's been a lot of uh, leagues trying to come up with answers at uh, the EPL, which stands to lose nearly a billion dollars in TV revenue. If they don't finish the season, they're talking about going to uh, a, a city somewhere in the Midlands of England, Every team would get their own hotel. They'd go play on practice fields in front of you know, empty practice fields just to get the season done. They'd play maybe three games a day. That's one of the, 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 the ideas that they're talking about just to get through this. It's not the same without the fans, for one. Um, but I, I think the bigger problem is something that you mentioned earlier. When you talked about everybody wants to know when we're going to get started again, uh, MLS has set back their date to to resume training four times. Players aren't aren't taking that and looking at that and saying this is a real date anymore. The MLS season is supposed to resume May 10th. It's not going to resume May 10th. Uh, Everybody wants to have some security and some idea of when we're going to start again, when things will get back to normal. And you know what? We just don't know. I think it might be best just, just to say we'll get back to you when we have some information.
1: Yeah, it certainly is. Now, they did extend it for longer this time, Kevin. So if, we're, if we really want to sort of, you know, it wasn't just a week, um, which you and I have been sitting there going, why well, just keep extending it a week whenever you know it's going to be longer, because uh, now it extends all the way until uh, Friday, April 24th. So basically, they've written off the whole uh, the whole beginning of, uh, of April all the way into the end of April. And then, you know, that leads you right into the what are they going to have a two and a half week, you know, sort of uh, ramp up or two week ramp up to get ready for May 10th. It just none of that really
2: team trainers are telling me they need three to four weeks, at least. Even if it was right now, they would need three to four weeks.
1: Yeah. And and that makes sense to me. I mean, you know, you're, you have to do a whole preseason again, again, this, this, and, and I know there's a lot of overlap between the stuff that we keep saying. Um, I know that whenever we talk about all these things, you know, Kevin is that, you know, we, we continue to bring up the same points, but the bottom line is that those points haven't been cleared. Um, you know, those hurdles have not gotten out of the way for, for major league soccer right now. And for any sports, uh, in the United States, you know, it, it looks like possibly New York is, is finally, uh, you know, through this peak, possibly. Um, but you're looking at Cal- people like California and and Governor Gavin Newsom saying, you know, our peak is coming. Um, and so the, May, the I'm that, hearing May now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Could extend Well, and by the way, if you're looking at social distancing working it shifts your peak longer and longer out, which is how that's supposed to work. So the fact that at one point we were told, hey, you know, April is going to be real, you know, the, the, this, uh, This uh, this end of April is going to be really bad or the beginning of April is going to be really bad or, you know, it's going to be happening in two weeks. And the fact that shifting out shows that possibly, uh, you know, we've had some success in the social distancing. But that doesn't mean that, you know, sports are going to get back to, quote unquote, normal. I love this this normal that we talk about. I don't know that uh, I was talking with uh, with Sarah uh, who, uh, who you and I know and who always meets us at halftime. And Sarah is a healthcare professional. I believe she's in physical therapy, but she's having to do some physical therapy to patients who have uh, been infected with, with COVID-19. So she's very much on the front lines of this. And so I was sort of talking to her about some things um, and just, you know, we were talking about will handshakes even survive this? Um, You know, are we ever going to shake hands again, Kevin? Is that something? Are we ever going to hug? I mean, I, I used to be a hugger. I don't know if I'm a hugger anymore after this. Um, You know, it's going to take a while for things to sort of settle down for us and go back to when we're not thinking. I mean, I don't know. I can't watch a TV show right now without being like they're standing way too close to each other. Uh, that should that should not be that social distancing is is not allowed. So I think that we have to adjust the way that we're thinking. And I think. Uh, You know, trying to even plant sports into this sports are not important, but they're a good escape for everybody. Right, Kevin? I mean, that's what we've sort of always said. So you want to get back to sports, but at the same time, you know, that's shouldn't that's not on the front burner. Um,
2: Well, we'll just think about it for a minute. I mean, I don't know if you ever hugged me. So I'm right now feeling insulted. But, um, you know, as long as the COVID Janino goes on, I mean, think about it. Turning on the TV. There's just nothing to watch. I would watch, you know, I would watch curling right now just to see some sort of sports event. It's, it's either that or reruns of The Office, which I actually like, or the news. Um, but you're right about uh, the, the social distancing and, and the, the curve for every state is going to be different because it, it basically begins when you start to put some of these social distancing things in place. Florida really hasn't adhered to that. You know, they opened churches this weekend. Georgia, the beaches are back open again. Utah is a state. And I believe Kansas, uh, where Sporting Kansas City is, and then Utah with uh, RSL, those are states that don't have any guidelines in place for, um, you know, quarantining and and sheltering in place. So we got to wait for those states to come back. Uh, We got two teams in Florida, one in Atlanta. Uh, We got, uh, you know, again, Sporting Kansas City and uh, RSL. Those are at least five teams that uh, could be affected by this. We don't, you know, what about Houston and and Dallas? So it's going to be a while. New York and California, Portland and and then uh, of course seattle they're ahead of the curve a little bit um these other states are going to take a long time to catch up and until they do we can't really uh resume the season as normal and and again i go back to the point of throwing a date out there sounds great hey let's let's all be in church by easter and then when you realize it's not going to happen i think you cause more disappointment than you do uh you know uh, happiness among people and then the idea that they might be able to hang on to a date i go back to governor cuomo Tell people the truth. Let them deal with it. Don't hold out false hope and then, and then disappoint them later. I think that's way more painful
1: yeah it, it can be um, you know this this rapid testing thing has really got my really piqued my interest now I mean, a lot of this stuff is 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 you, you're trying to look for the first stepping stones in the right direction, right Kevin you're trying to find out the path that is going to eventually get everybody back to work uh, you know back to watching sports all of these things are, are things we're trying to predict um, so the fact that there are that there's so much science and and that's really where we're, we're coming at right now is that there's so much science being thrown at cures, vaccines, treatments and testing um, that you have to imagine that the collective willpower of an entire world will figure this out. Um, and i imagine they're going to figure it out faster than you know if it, if it this doesn't happen within a global pandemic um so you're, you're looking at this and, and saying you know one of these steps one of these keys is this rapid testing uh, and then the ability to produce those rapid tests and distribute those rapid tests and be able to get everybody to them uh, eventually that could lead us going back into a quote unquote normal but um, as of right now normal seems a long long way away kevin as both of us are are domiciled at, at our house right now.
2: Well, you you know, talking about missing sports and 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 sports really do help you in times of crisis. That's why again, Franklin Roosevelt uh, wanted Major League Baseball to play through World War II. There are only three places in, in the world that I know of right now: uh, Nicaragua, Belarus, and then Tur. Help me with that again. Turkistan ter- was it Turkistan. Uh, that's can't,
1: the I can't one. There, yeah.
2: they all are playing soccer. Those are the only professional okay. leagues that I know of for sure that are going on right now. And how much is sports being missed? There was an AP story last week that an amateur soccer team in Sweden, uh, apparently their practice games, their practice games, Mm -hmm. because the league is not playing. They had practice games that received an unusually large exposure on betting sites during the pandemic. People are betting on a second division Swedish teams, an amateur team on their practice games. People are betting on that. That's how much people in the sport. That's sick. I'm not saying that's Mm -hmm. a good thing. I'm just saying sports does have a place. Sports does
1: that well. I mean, it's a reason that you know NASCAR is getting over a million people watching their their eNASCAR, where they they at least, and in my my opinion, this makes it worth watching. Is they're at least had the real drivers are driving real, you know, the, driving their their e cars themselves. Um, you know, in a, in a real race. So there's at least some, some base competition there between, you know, the transition between the professional athlete and the professional athlete playing video games, which I think is why they're, they're so successful in that particular way. I don't think the same could be happen, uh, you know, in soccer. I I don't think the skills necessarily translate directly. That's why driving, you know, you can sort of simulate that a little bit better. Um, but But you know, there is some some
2: galaxy news this week though. Yeah. Which, which which galaxy news is that? I guess it was last week. It was after the show, right? Chicharito, is, his wife is pregnant again, proving that he can I gonna, score. I told yeah,
1: you. He, oh, see, no, but everybody, everybody makes that joke, except it's just a bad joke. It's not, it's not even an effortlessly funny joke. It's a bad joke because it's his second child. So technically, he already scored. If we really want to, you know, he's got a
2: win. brace now.
1: Yeah, it, exactly. <laughs> indeed, Going for the hat trick. Going for the hat trick, indeed. And then he, uh, he starts making his own. Uh, I hope his own. Bingham uh, didn't have the assist as well. on that one. <laughs> uh well why don't we do this uh why don't we uh why don't we go over to a uh, a great interview that uh that i did a little bit earlier with uh with a uh great la Another galaxy seven. player um and then of course a director um of both the la galaxy girls academy and the la galaxy boys academy sort of stepping into both roles right there so uh let's have this great interview with mr kevin hartman Hello, everybody, and uh, we have a great interview lined up today joining us uh, via Skype, Uh, a great man, a guy who's known for stopping a lot of shots in his time, uh, but certainly has some great stuff with the LA Galaxy going on right now, so we wanted to talk about it. A two-time MLS Cup winner, uh, a guy who I think has the second most uh, starts for the LA Galaxy, the second most minutes for the LA Galaxy. Please welcome to the show, I think for the very first time, Kevin Hartman. Kevin, thanks for stopping by, buddy. Appreciate it.
3: Absolutely. No, uh, certainly my pleasure have some things going on, but not so busy that I can't hop on corner of the galaxy and, 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 you know, have a chat about the club and, you know, appreciate everything you've done for the community.
1: Uh, I appreciate that. Well, I mean, you know, the first thing we should start about director of the LA galaxy girls Academy. And, and that's a, that's a big deal. I know on the show we've talked about it a lot. Um, but I sort of, I think before we even touch on that, I have to ask, how are you weathering this pandemic so far, uh, or working from home? I have a feeling.
3: Yeah, it's been interesting. So last June, I took over as kind of the the academy director on both sides. So work alongside uh, Juan Carlos Ortega, who does all the uh, the technical director stuff. So I work on the soccer operations for boys and girls academy. So that's kept me busy in terms of having communications with the families, but also, um, you know, talking to the different leagues, whether it's MLS or whether it's US Soccer, and finding out exactly, you know, w- what the the pulse is on on things on a regular occasion and making sure that I'm I'm staying abreast of any changes or any things that uh that might affect us long term so yeah that's kept me busy but uh I've got two daughters at home that are kind of running around my feet all the time and so uh you know it's good to kind of see them engage with their schooling and trying to figure out ways I can help with that too.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, what, what happens with the academy right now? You have a bunch of, uh, you know, young men and women who are uh, progressing in their schooling and, you know, attacking this soccer career. Maybe something they want to make a, you know, professional or at least into college. Um, these are important things. What, what's happening with the academy now that everything's pretty much gone to, you know, online learning?
3: Yeah, so we're fortunate. I mean, o- online learning, our school is, uh, we have content and learning specialists, and Dr. Baduri does a great job of managing uh, the staff upstairs, but uh, we, we've always wanted flexibility just based on the amount of international travel, the, the number of things that we have going on within the academy on the boys' side. So, um I think that uh, that has always been in line with trying to make sure our 17s and 19s have the ability to to train alongside the professional teams, whether it's G2 or or, or the first teams. So um, that that flexibility is obviously something that's come in extremely handy during this time. Um, right. You know, we, we have a great relationship that has allowed us to, to continue to flourish in this environment. Uh, you know, a lot of the conversations have just gone online now with the coaches and the, and the tutors and, and or the online specialists have been great. So um, that's been fine. Uh, we have a homestay program for probably, you know, four to five, six kids within our program. So trying to make sure that they get home um, has been something that we've made sure that we're taking care of um, and making sure that we have follow-up with the homestay families and certainly appreciative of everything that they've done for us. Um, and then, like I said, a lot of it just has to do with making sure that we have the performance staff and the the nutritionists and uh, our our. Uh, full-time, our full-time coaching staff reaching out to the players and making sure that we're engaging them on a number of different uh, things. Um, but then we also want to make sure that the, the coaches themselves are doing enough so that they, they feel valued within the, the company. It's given us the, the opportunity to really work on some curricular development, um, some medium-term projects that might kind of get tossed to the side or just really congest the day sometimes. And so it's actually been a really good opportunity for us to do some editing of film so that when we pull up the curricular stuff that you can kind of match it up with some of the games that we've had going on over the past six months to a year.
1: Wow. yeah, like you said, it sounds like a, a busy time for everybody. Um, You know, one of the questions I get asked a lot and I don't always have a great answer um, is, you know, you talk about the boys academy and, and where that ends up. You end up, you know, at the USL level, you end up at the senior team level, you end up in college. Um, These are all great places to go. But you look at the girls side of things as well. Certainly the collegiate avenue is there. Um, Certainly for U.S. soccer, the avenue is there. But what's the end goal eventually for for these girls' teams? I mean, you know, the, and, and where this leads, and I'll tell you where it leads, is everybody keeps asking, are the Galaxy ever going to approach, you know, a women's professional team?
3: Um, so I'll take the first part of that first. I mean, I think... Um You know, you really have to kind of start with the athlete and no matter what U.S. soccer wants or what, you know, our organization wants, it's a lot of it comes back to what the players are want and and, and what their goals are within the game. And so, um, you know, at at this point, I would say probably 85 to 90 percent of the girls that we have within our academy, their number one goal is to play collegiate soccer. Um, and, And so for us, it wouldn't necessarily behoove us to, you know, just think about how we're gonna produce the next national team player. We have to make sure that we're engaged with what that process looks like. Um, and, And so, you know, one of the things on the boys' side that was very, I think, fortunate um, was they didn't necessarily have such a, a competitor at the national landscape as the girls do within uh, within the Development Academy and ECNL. And ECNL has always done a very, very good job, probably for the past decade. And so uh, now U.S. soccer finds themselves kind of caught up in Trying to figure out if they if they can actually be the elite level uh, of soccer within the United States. I mean, uh, the needs of the players are tantamount, and so if the girls want to play high school soccer, it's sometimes right. difficult to pitch them on not playing high school soccer. Um, and you know, on the boys' side, uh, if if you have a professional team that becomes their end goal, uh, maybe you have a little bit more leverage. So I mean, it, it's a fierce battle right now with it within uh, elite level. Uh, soccer within the Development Academy and within ECNL and trying to figure out um, if there's enough players to spread across two different platforms. Um, but you know our 2003 group is really the f- first group that came in. Um, and so they're mostly sophomore and juniors right now. Um, and okay. so we're look to evolve our, um, our platform as we see fit moving forward.
1: I mean, so uh, does that does that ultimately is there are there ever discussions about putting a, a professional women's team with the L.A. Galaxy? Uh, certainly, you know, NWSL has been growing. We've been seeing some strides. Uh, I know a lot of Galaxy fans are probably familiar with the with the L.A. soul uh, back in the days. Um, you know, is this something that, that's discussed at any sort of, uh, you know, high level?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that we continue to have discussions if it's a a fit. You know, I mean, obviously things continue to evolve daily now, but, you know, I think we have a lot of respect for what the NWSL's done. You know, there are some ownership groups that want to do some things here within the Southern California area. And so, I mean, I think that probably uh, Chris and Tom and some of the some of the higher ups within the the organization continue to uh, have those conversations. And they look to me for, um, you know, my expertise from at the youth level as well.
1: No, it makes some sense. Well, we, you know, we don't want to talk entirely uh, Academy, especially as uh, we currently have a bracket going on at corner of the galaxy.com. We're trying to determine and by the votes of our listeners, uh, we're trying to determine the best L.A. Galaxy team ever. Now, Kevin, uh, you know, part of the 2002 team, part of the 2005 uh, MLS Cup winning teams. Uh, there's a whole bunch of heartache and heartbreak that happened before that um, and in between. But, you know, I'd love to get your thoughts on on what made some of the 2002 teams teams so special? What made 2005 so special? If there are other teams outside of those that you think could possibly also be uh, some of the best LA Galaxy teams ever, uh, what, what are your thoughts on any of it? I'll open up the floor.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think probably that group that we that Siggy put together, you know, and, and with probably with the little help of from Octavio, I mean, we have an offensively uh, just a monster in that powerhouse, that 1998 team, um, but there was some, some real talent there, you know, seeing Clint Mathis kind of move on to bring in Luis Hernandez, uh, maybe kind of pulled that apart, team apart a little bit for, earlier than maybe uh, I, a lot of us would have liked. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, that 2002 team, I just think that there were so many people that are top players that were playing their best soccer that they probably played. Um, would would get my vote, you know, in terms of LA Galaxy teams that I played alongside. Um, the 2005 team, I thought we had a pretty mediocre team, you know, going into the uh, the final stretch, or we just weren't really able to get a lot out of it during the during the regular season. You know, sit down, had a conversation. Uh, that conversation led to. Um, you know, some decisions that were made in uh, in terms of the players that played most often. And, um, you know, we went on a run. We peaked at the right time. We had a lot of pressure on ourselves as players because we'd kind of, you know, had some issues with the way that the season had gone and how, you know, maybe the lineup had changed so frequently uh, that we just really wanted a little bit of consistency. But with that, um, you know, with that conversation came a lot of pressure on ourselves to perform. Um, right. and you know, we did, and it was cool to look back on it and think about taking all the surface streets out to Frisco because the, the tollway didn't even exist at that point in 2005. And so to, right. uh, you know, to really kind of step up and, and play as well as we did and to kind of, and to get that championship was, uh, was special. But, uh, I, 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 would be hesitant to think that the, the quality from player to player and just overall, um, tactically would would have been as strong within that 2005 group as the 2002 group
1: well i mean we we always ask these questions kevin i think that's a great answer because uh you know you're there and we ask these questions to the guys who come on you know we talked to todd donovan mike mcgee um you know sean franklin we talk about these guys who have won championships and what made those teams different from maybe other teams that they played on Uh, Do you have something that sticks in your mind that that you pass on to to people who, you know, uh, to to the youngsters at the academy of why those teams were successful when other teams that you played on maybe weren't as successful?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think the easy answer would be that when we got along so well off the field. Um, But I think that that's not not the full picture, because I think that um, it's not always just about how you are, like in terms of you know, your friendships with the other players. And certainly there are some good friendships there, but I think it was a responsibility to do what was called for in a, in a given moment, enough respect, even if you didn't maybe get along with somebody in the locker room, that you really had a, a common and a shared belief um, that there was that ability, but also that, you know, when push came to shove, that the other person would step up for you. So whether that's as a professional, whether that's as a friend, whatever the case may be, I, I just think that those are the groups that I would say that were the most special Um And, you know, you think about the 99 team. um, I I think that that was a very similar situation. A lot of the same players, um, but not not quite all of them. Um, You know, I think Vanny was a part of that. Maybe that 99 group or he just left. But Fraze was still there. I mean, there was just like a group of guys that, um, you know, you become really good friends because you I think you have a lot of shared values. Um, Right. And sometimes those that's when you think about like keeping a locker room together for an extended period of time, um, you can start to understand maybe the idiosyncrasies and the and the differences between the players. But you you learn to get along with one another to a point where um, you understand the strengths and the weaknesses that uh, each position holds. And, you know, maybe it's not the time to go down the left side. Maybe maybe if we're one in three nil, that that's the time you go down that side. I mean, just all these little small nuances that. Um, that aren't apparent sometimes when teams are turning over as quickly as teams sometimes turn over. So, um, but, but to be gifted with that, uh, that opportunity, you really have to have enough success in the short term uh, to warrant it, whether that's, you know, in any professional franchise. And so, um, you know, I think we were fortunate a little bit more in the past to have that type of longevity, but um, now, now it's kind of put up or shut up. So, um, but it it is, it is a group, it is, it is a group of, of people that you know, you probably talk to the 2014 guys, you talk to 2012 guys. I mean, it's like Marcelo and Juninho. You talk about guys that are like good friends. I mean, uh, I would think that the relationships that I've seen since I've come back um, amongst that alumni group uh, from that period of time, you can tell it's very similar. Uh, to what that that first cast of characters was all about in terms of just a mutual respect for one another. And I think that's kind of carried on. It's been one of the reasons we, we always like to kind of engage the alumni because there are those shared experiences and those cool things uh, within the organization that not a lot of clubs have.
1: Yeah, it it certainly seems I I know as, you know, I started covering the team basically 2009 on. So I I sort of hit it right at the uh, beginning of the quote unquote dynasty years. Uh, And we romanticized, you know, that 2009, 2010, 20, you know, 2009 heartbreak 2010 should have been a better year for the LA Galaxy. In fact, I believe they were knocked out by FC Dallas in 2010 in the Western Conference finals there or uh, semifinals. Uh, That one
3: one rubs Adam Serrano wrong. (laughs) I always (laughs) bring it up and he's always like Hartman. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say that was, that was a rough one for the galaxy, but I mean, you, you do have to, I always think that those heartbreaks and those heartaches and those learning lessons and not just keep. And also uh, to your point, keeping the teams together, those created the successes that came down that line. I mean, if you go back and you look at, you know, 2002 and we talk about, you know, 96, a loss, 99, a loss in the finals, uh, you know, 2001, a loss in the finals, you, you sort of have these things that have built to, to create that, that, that sense of we need it now. This is, this is our chance. Um, does that play into it? Cause I think you see that in 2002 and I think you also see it probably a little bit in 2005.
3: Yeah, I think, you know, you, you, you talk about those dynasty type things and you're trying to figure out exactly which players that you're okay kind of releasing, you know, and, um, you know, in 2007, you know, Beckham came in, I left, um, And, you know, I think probably the the Beckham scenario really created some dynamics situations within probably the salary cap and all the things that they had going on. Um, And it constantly was requiring that the team reinvented themselves until Bruce kind of came in and there was that stability. But if you think about the coaches that were. Laying that kind of foundation, you got Siggy Schmidt and you got Bruce Arena, two guys that really kind of understood the mechanisms within the league, um, and they were able to pull it off. You know, they were able to. Uh, one of the things that LA's always, you know, been able to do is uh, use itself as kind of a, a drawer of top talent. You know, right. um, I think the city itself is is enough to get Eddie Lewis to come back and take less money just to kind of get home to Cerritos, you know, and that's not, right. Uh, it's not something a lot of clubs have to offer in the Midwest. You know, you only have a certain number of players that are kind of produced there, but with, with LA, you have a lot of guys coming home after successful careers in in Europe or wh- wherever the case may be. And so they were able to get some bargain Ben type prices or salaries on some players that might not have done it otherwise. Um, and so I think that that's a really unique thing that the club has going for them is people just really want to play here. And I think this year you would think of Sacha Klechkins probably as a guy that would, would be in a similar boat um, coming back from New York and Belgium and Orlando. Um, and, and so I, I think that that allows us to do it maybe more often. You know, you have an owner in in Philip Anches who uh, I think really kind of is willing to kind of push what that level looks like from a business perspective. And I know Lawiiki was one of the guys that kind of did that as well, you know, whether that was here in la or in in Toronto. but um, yeah, it's 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 that longevity, but also, you know you sooner or later you have to do it, and maybe that's in two thousand and three. Um, why Siggy left, you know, even though he was in first place, you know, we had to continue to, to push what the level is. And if it's not happening, then people look to make changes. And although he was able to get to a championship in 91 and 2001 and 2002, um, it it has to, it has, there's an expectation there, you know, within the club. And if you're going to be the galaxy and you're going to be like a city of stars, like you got to step up. And so um, that, that, that quality and that ability of the club to do that from 2010 to 2015 or whenever it was, you know, I think it, it was certainly something special.
1: Well, Kevin, I know we, uh, we could keep you here forever. I know I have like, you know, 30 or 40,000 other questions we could talk, but we want to, we'll cut it off and we'll just, uh, we'll save it for for the next time we get you back on the program. But we want to thank you so much for taking some time to talk to us. Um, I know all the listeners will certainly appreciate it and we hope you're, uh, you're doing well and your family stays uh, safe and sane during all of this.
3: Yeah, no, be well, be strong. You know, anytime that I can get on in chat soccer, you know, I'm always about that. And, you know, like I said, I, we, the podcast, all, all the merchandise that's coming out, all the cool things that people are kind of doing is, as, uh, as a way of kind of building this community and making us stronger. Uh, I certainly appreciate anything I can do or the Academy can do to help. Uh, I can certainly help to navigate that. So thank you, Josh. Wish you guys the best. All right. Thanks, Kevin.
1: All right. Always a, uh, a great interview there with, uh, with Kevin Hartman, uh, kind of a fun guy there. Absolutely. Kevin, yeah. uh, what'd you think? I saw
2: him in Houston. I saw him in Houston before, uh, well, yeah, just before the, the galaxy's first game of the season, we were at the team hotel. I thought I think it was him. I was at the bar. I had been, had to drink already. Um, a lot of galaxy executives around having adult beverages and, and he was one of them. And, and, uh, as you mentioned, um, Galaxy's only point of the year was that game in Houston. This may be the first time they go into midsummer without a victory and with just one point. Yeah, oh, by the way, winless. did you have you listened to any governor uh, Governor Cuomo's news conferences? Because I think he sounds like Bruce Arena. He, he,
1: there is certainly a New York tone to that. I mean, if you you know, I think a lot of New York people sound like Bruce Arena, but um, I, I don't know. I, there is a certain way that he answers questions that I think is very much a, yeah. a Bruce. He's, you know what? I I want to hear
2: Scott French ask him a question and just hear (laughs) uh, Governor Cuomo answer. That would be awesome. The
1: difference between Cuomo and Bruce is that Cuomo's way more diplomatic about things. I can tell already. All right, Bruce. (laughs) Bruce wouldn't put up with some of those questions. I'm telling you right now. But
2: Bruce has won more MLS Cups than Governor Cuomo.
1: This is that is also correct. A a correct statement. Well, uh, the lots of things going on in terms of uh, MLS Cups, because if you've been watching, they've been showing all sorts of different MLS Cups. Uh, They've been showing different like premieres. Uh, I think they showed the first MLS game ever today. I think there was a 2001 MLS Cup between the San Jose Earthquakes and the L.A. Galaxy. If you were looking for a Galaxy win uh, that year, I would I would suggest you probably don't look for that game. Um, it was funny, you know, even talking to Kevin Hartman, I mentioned the 2010 season where the LA galaxy should have been good. And Hartman was of course on the other side of that, uh, that, that on the FC Dallas team that actually beat the LA galaxy and that they shouldn't have really, whenever you look at all that. um, And then that, of course, I didn't say this, but uh, you know, the 2010 uh, MLS cup was the most boring MLS cup, possibly in the history of MLS Cups. So, um, you know, lots of, lots of MLS cup top going around. And, and certainly if you were uh, an LA galaxy fan, you had the 2002, um. Actually, excuse me. I think it was the 2005 MLS Cup that uh, d- debuted today uh, in terms of their uh, their their championship Mondays where they've been watching uh, that one. Yeah, it was 2005 L.A. Galaxy versus New England Revolution coming up next Monday, April 13th. It will be the 2011 MLS Cup. Uh, and then April 20th is 2012 and April 27th is 2014. So but before uh, you get away to, from
2: that, do you know what today yeah. is? We're recording Monday. This is the 24th anniversary of the first game in MLS history. It's you, yep. kind of interesting because we don't know when the next game in MLS history will be. But uh, 24th anniversary, who scored the first goal? It was a one to nothing game. Bruce Arena uh, lost that game. San Jose, uh, hey, was, uh, San Jose beat DC United. It was, was it Winalda? Yes. I believe it was like yeah. the 87th minute. And, and remember that first Galaxy team. Everyone knows Jorge Campos and some of the other stars they had. Kurt Nafa was a defender on that team.
1: He and and Kobe Jones was on that team. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's listen, there's some really fun, you know, a, as we continue down this, I have a feeling we'll go more and more down that rabbit hole. We've been doing a pretty good job so far. We got Sean Franklin on. We got Kevin Hartman on. We've been doing a good job of going down the rabbit hole, of trying to find some some of the uh, some of the L.A. Galaxy players of uh, MLS Cup fame. Uh, and I think we'll continue to try to do that uh, as we, we should get Kurt
2: to- where it all started, the guy, you know, he was on that first team. What did you, do you think the league was going to survive? What did you think of playing in the Rose Bowl? Um, yeah. We should get Kurt off yep. on here. A good Kobe guy.
1: Jones also, you know, Kobe Jones would be another one yeah. that you could just certainly reach out to. He's He certainly has that perspective, and he shares that perspective all the time. So, I mean, there's a lot of stuff sort of uh, going on here. I, I know the uh, the other thing I wanted to get on real quick is the LA Galaxy put out a press release. wanted to sort of talk about it real quick. Is just that the LA Galaxy were collaborating with Choncho's Tra- Tacos, uh, which if you've ever been to any of the Galaxy games or Galaxy 2 games, Choncho's Tacos and the LA Galaxy Taco truck that's there uh, will be out actually uh, feeding those affected by the COVID-19, they are going to be out at Glendale Memorial Hospital, Northgate Grocery Store, Northridge Hospital, Curtis Middle School, and Stephen M. White Middle School as well. So uh, out in the neighborhood feeding some people, which is kind of a cool thing to, uh, to see happen. But Kevin, there, was, uh, there were some PSAs uh, that went out across Southern California as well, right?
2: Yeah, the Galaxy are doing a lot of other uh, charity stuff too during this tough time. If you go to their website, there are actually some tips on on how to deal with coronavirus and how you can get tested and some other things that are pretty neat through Dignity Health Sports, um, uh, the hospital system there. But um, it it was led by, we have to give credit, it was led by soccer people. It started with LAFC, but the Galaxy are a big part of this. PSA that just went up today where they gathered uh, an athlete from all 12 professional teams in Los Angeles and the two major colleges. And it was a 60 second PSA where they just basically uh, uh, repeat um, Mary Garcetti's uh, tips about washing your hands. Don't go into crowded grocery stores, you know, uh, uh, maintain social distancing, those kind of things. But all the players. Um, uh, you know, all the teams that gave one of their star players, Jared Goff from the Rams, and some others who come and make that PSA, and and uh, Jonathan Dos Santos is on there for the Galaxy and and does his part in Spanish. Uh, it's a very nice thing. Is one of the people that organized that told me he cannot think of another time when all twelve professional teams put the rivalries and their fighting and and everything else aside and came together and 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 worked in a spirit of cooperation to do this. And it's a, a pretty important message. And the hope is that maybe people who don't listen to doctors or, or mayors or governors that they should, maybe they'll listen to the, the Rams quarterback. Maybe that'll help a little bit.
1: Yeah, it, it very well should. I've seen an increase, of course, in, in LA Galaxy fabric masks that people are making, which has been uh, super awesome. Uh, if you've been on, uh, I think, my Instagram account, I, I put one of those out. Uh, I'm going to renew my call, Kevin, and I know I don't even think I asked you about this, but I was, uh, I was sort of pressing this. Uh, if you are an LA Galaxy fan, and you are a member of the this front line, especially any medical doctors or, or medical professionals, nurses, anybody who's dealing with this. I, I want to get in contact with you. I'm actually trying to work on a story for it. Um, so hit over to the website and you can contact me, Twitter, anyway, you know, corner of the galaxy, gmail.com, however you want to do it. Uh, I'm looking to tell some of those stories because I think that it's uh, it's an amazing sort of insight into what uh, our medical professionals are dealing with. And not only that, uh, but I'm seeing the medical professionals and some LA Galaxy fans with the Galaxy gear on stage as they're as they're going about and fighting this coronavirus, which is a a fun thing to sort of take a look at as well. well. So, again,
2: they're the heroes round of applause for the medical professionals. By the way, Victoria Block worked with the Galaxy and donated uh, a a substantial amount of canned food to Food Bank in L.A. County. So uh, that's another great thing the Galaxy has done.
1: Yeah, a, a lot of good things. All right. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about, Kevin? You want to touch on? I it just want to bring up one more
2: thing. We brought up some names. You had Sean Franklin on, Kevin Hartman today. We talked about maybe Colonel or Kobe Jones. Maybe some, we should hear from the from the listeners. Who would you like to hear from? And be realistic. We're not going to get David Beckham on the phone. Maybe Landon Donovan, probably not. Think about people that we can reach out to. And who do you want to hear from? Do you want to hear from Kurt Anoffel? Do you want to hear from Kobe Jones? Do you want to hear from Dave Romney? Who do you want to hear from? Right.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Let us know. And uh, and we'll do our best to uh, to round those people up. So far, so good. Uh, still have something uh, that we're chasing here in the background for for Thursday show as well, and I can tell you right now that Thursday Miss Sophie Nicolau will be back, quote unquote, in the studio. Not in the studio, but um, from her house. That'll be our our little update. So Eric's going to get a you little. You get to see our all our houses.
2: Look, here's my house, everybody. See? Yeah, my uh, office there. I was gonna, here. You go.
1: Yeah, all all the people on the podcast just went. Kevin, I can't see anything. It's like go to YouTube. You, <laughs> you can check it out. We'll we'll, we'll have all that. Oh
2: yeah, well. forget about those people. They can't see me do this yeah, NFL quarterback thing either.
1: No, they, they just should think check you're it really out. It's
2: weird. pretty. It's pretty
1: good. It's effortlessly funny. That's for sure. Um, I look just like right. Tom Brady. I, all right, I uh, I think that about does it uh, for us. If you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter. Don't what you want to do is uh, head on over to at KBaxter11. And of course, uh, you want to look for me on Twitter as well. It's at JGESMAN. J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N. All right. So and also uh, make sure you head on over to our website cornerofthegalaxy.com. That's where you can find all of our videos, all of our uh, FIFA replays, which, by the way, you probably want to miss the last one, but uh, maybe not. Check it out. But a busy coming up in FIFA replay land uh the games for the LF Galaxy. Coming up. All right. Uh, I think that about does it for Kevin he, and the Baxter? I'm Josh Patrick. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on Corner Have a
0: You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on Corner You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Arajo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.